All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another Welcome to the J episode. I am your host, Hans Maniga. We have a reoccurring yet still very special guest. Before we get into all of it, make sure to like and subscribe to the Fielder 68 Media Network so you can get content such as this, different representatives repping their alma mater like I'm doing today. I have my boy Michael Vandervoort back, known affectionately in these parts as Manager Mike. Uh, he's back with us to give us a little bit of a biggie tournament preview, uh, as well as obviously talk through the season, what we've seen so far, what we should expect from the boys moving forward. The season is just beginning. Don't think that it's ending just yet. It's just, just beginning. So Mike, Fargo, North Dakota, stand up. Welcome back on the podcast, bro. Let's go. Thanks, Jay. It's good to be back. Uh, I just, I got goosebumps, man. I'm thinking about March and madness and uh, thinking about the growth from our team, the coaches. Uh, it's been a pretty special year. And, you know, I think, man, shout out Ryan Kalkbrenner. We'll get into that defense player of the year in the Big East. Well-deserved. I've been on a soapbox. Yeah. The guy is super deserving of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But here we are. It's uh, it's Big East tournament time. Missouri Valley tournament just wrapped up. And uh, we're not playing at the Scott trade anymore. We're in the, the Madison no, Square Garden. So We've been in Madison Square for a little bit over a decade now. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Nuts. Like that, I actually know a, a little bit under a decade, I should say, but it's still like kind of insane to think about like where Coach Mack took the job where we were at at that point in time to where it is now. Like you just mentioned, Misery Valley Conference just ended. I was watching Tucker DeVries and obviously Coach Diorock, the guy who, again, shout out Diorock, bro. You saved my shout life. Out, Came all the way over to Canada to recruit me, brought me over to the hilltop, and I haven't looked back ever since. He's doing wonderful things over at Drake. He just lost. In the finals, however, of the Missouri Valley Conference uh, Championship or, or tournament championship, I should say. But to think about where we were to where we are now, you were a manager for us during all those good times, obviously. Like, you obviously are a basketball junkie like myself. So I know you were watching the Missouri Valley Conference tournament just to see, obviously, how our guy DRP was going to end up. How crazy is it to think that, like, this is what we were back then and this is where we're at now? It's unbelievable. I mean, it's the the change of one game for a chance to dance versus I think, I hope we should be in. I'm yeah. going to have to take some <laughs> issues with the committee if, if we're not. But mm-hmm. now it's like Omaha fans are flying out to New York City to experience, you know, the Big Apple. We get to play Marquette, another kind of new rivalry that's that's in the mix and uh, in the greatest arena in the world and nothing against Scott trade besides the rims being a little bit too tight. Uh, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I think back to road trips to much different cities than what these guys are experiencing now. Oh, you think old Indiana just didn't tickle your fancy? Yeah. I'm not sure that Carbondale, Terre Haute, Evansville is going to quite compare to Philadelphia, New York, Washington DC. So it, it's fun. Right. I mean, as an alumni, as a fan, as a, you know, former basketball manager, uh, kudos to everyone involved on the athletics front, the coaching's front. Um it's it's definitely elevated the brand of Creighton on a national level that I never imagined possible. What's crazy is you mentioned the tight rims at Scott Trade. It might as well have been Rucker Park rims, double oh. rims and everything. New York City street rims for real, though. That ball, if you didn't swish that ball, no chance it was going. And thank God we had Doug and Ethan, though. 
Oh my goodness. I, I still tell people to this day, if there is NCAA tournament games there, bet the under with your yeah, life. Immediately. Do you remember Wichita State versus Kentucky? Like how low scoring of a game that was Kentucky ended up beating them at the, the year after they went to the final four, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yep. It was a grinder. <laughs> Un, uh, understatement of the year right there. That game was an absolute grinder for you basketball junkies out there. Go back and watch that game. You'll watch a younger Fred Vimpy before he became an NBA All-Star. All-Star. Shout out to him. And that was, I think that was the year where he finally was like, okay, this is my team I'm taking over. Still ended up losing to Kentucky, I think, in the round of 32. So, I mean, those Scotchard rims are infamous for how tight they oh, are. Oh, brutal. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. That, that, uh, there's no other way to describe them. Hey, I said it off camera, but I have to say it right now. For those of you who are going to be listening to the podcast and all watching it, Michael is wearing a Creighton Blue Jay hat in San Antonio Spurs polo. That is about as Creightonian as an outfit as you can get in 2022. I'm, I'm loyal to my guys. <laughs> I'm loyal to my guys. Uh, loyal to Pop. Loyal to Doug. Not, I didn't get any comments on this today in New York City. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I don't know if the New York Knicks fans are paying so much attention to what's happening in San Antonio. So maybe, it, I don't know, you could kind of choose it to be whatever you want it to be. If it's a good thing, it's a good thing. If it's a bad thing, then, I mean, that's fine too. I guess San Antonio is going to make a little bit more noise for the New York faithful to pay a little bit more attention to you. Yeah. Are you going to be able to stay there for the whole uh, Biggie swimming? That's the one thing I forgot to ask you. I'll be here. Yep. I'll be here. I'm okay. out here for work and uh, hopefully got my tickets ready to go for Thursday and uh, mm -hmm. actually celebrating my 30, I'm calling it 30 fun, my 31st birthday uh, on Thursday. So Coach Mack, more if you're listening, let's go. All I want is a victory. Pretty simple. Well, on behalf of everyone here who's involved on the Welcome to the J Podcast, wish you an early happy birthday. Uh, I'm obviously going to text you, maybe FaceTime you on Thursday if you're not too busy uh, with the Jays playing to wish you a happy birthday. But I'm going to do it on air. Happy birthday, Michael, man. Thanks, you Jay. Don't I don't know appreciate how much it. you mean to me. I appreciate our friendship so much. It's it's withstood the test of time. Let's just put it that way. It's mutual, and, man. Uh, totally mutual. Any day that I get to call you my brother, man, it, it's a good day for me. So I appreciate you. Happy birthday. And now that we're good with all the sappy stuff, let's, right <laughs> let's talk hoops, man. Come on. Let's, let's go. go. The awards are in. The biggest awards are in, at least for the most part. I think there's still one more round of awards tomorrow, right, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah. But – Here's how our Blue Jays have fared so far. To no surprise, our freshman class showing up, showing out. Three out of the six spots in the Biggies all-freshman team taken by Blue Jays. Obviously, we have R2, Ryan Nemhard. We have Trey Alexander, the third. And we have Arthur Kaluma coming home with all Biggies freshman team. The future is incredibly bright for the oh, Jays. I said oh. that at the beginning of the year. I knew that they were going to take their lumps. They've actually surprised me a lot more with what they've been able to do in the win column because I knew that the core of the team was going to be so young. But the future is extremely bright. The Blue Jays are obviously uh, going to be a force to be reckoned with if this Oof. group is able to stick together in the future. Mickey, Mike, I need to know from you. Uh, obviously, I'm assuming you expected the, all three are going to make the freshman team, but what are your hopes for the future of this program with those guys uh, at the helm of it all? Yeah, I mean, we could be cliche and say, hey, get your sunglasses on. Future's bright. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a great mix of young and old. I think what Alex has done, what Ryan Hawkins has done, obviously we've seen Kalkbrenner make a huge jump, but sort of 
from June on, which a lot of these guys didn't get on campus till really late in the summertime. Mm-hmm. What our coaching staff has been able to do player development wise, meshing wise is, is incredible. I mean, I think we talked about it a lot early on, which was we knew R2 was the guy like mm-hmm. watching him at Montford. He's played big time basketball most of his life um, and understands when to pick his spots and, and he, you know, he went through a little bit of the sort of physicality of the big East. I'm going to throw six, three long guards at you. I'm going to bump you in the lane. And, and he took it well. And now we're seeing that with Arthur who I, he, my man's got a little bit of swagger uh, coming Bro, back from the injury in and out behind the back transition three the other night. I was like, Whoa, okay. All right. Now we're cooking. He's, he's starting to figure out like the speed is coming to him. And then Trey, I mean, talk about taking a guy who's he's been a wing all year. This is you play the two three. This is how we want you to defend and say, hey, you're now going to play point guard, by the way, and run. Uh, in a lot of ways, like Coach Mack's offense is not easy, um, but hey, you're going to be the guy. You need to make plays in, in ball screens. And oh, by the way, you're also about to run into. UConn's, I don't even, it's not even hand check defense. Like it's, I'm not going to use the terms. I don't know what we need to do to get a foul called, but like absurd, like RJ Cole's picking you up and like putting his hand in your Jersey uh, from 90 feet. And, oh, and one more piece, like you got to play 38 minutes. So the, the growth from new positions, a little bit of swagger, figuring out the physicality of the game, um, like these three dudes, I've heard great stuff about Mason Miller, his workouts and how he's progressing. Um, and oh, by the way, defense player of the year is back too. And, and again, we don't necessarily need to look at the future. Let's stay in the present a little bit. We got a chance to make some noise in, in New York and then ideally get our name called on selection Sunday. And the way we defend, like, let's go. Let's go play somebody. Let's suit it up. We got uh, we got seven guys that are contributing and kind of bought in, and uh, you know from your class on, like the brotherhood is is pretty special, and I think it goes unsaid a lot of years. But as a player and as a manager, you just it's a special bond. Before we move on to the next topic, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they're offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. Or if a new rush pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, more reliable. With the basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problems? Call telephone number 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a couple of things that you said I certainly want to touch on. I want to talk about those three freshmen individual a little bit more. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about like how tight the rims are at Scott Trade and Oof. how like in those tournament types of settings, defense is a major key. And uh, sometimes you get kind of, you know, the luck of the bounce a little bit that goes your way. And, you end up winning again. And maybe you could win by 12, 15 points. You end up winning by like maybe only like five, six, seven points if you're lucky. 
Yep. Uh, the Jays being ranked so high defensively in this year is something that like we none of us, I don't think, saw coming, especially from a coach back coach team. No offense, <laughs> Coach Mack, but we know that you're an offensive genius. Obviously, uh, we're a team that likes to run and gun, shoot threes at a high rate, uh, get defensive stops and get out in transition as quickly as possible. But this team is really you know, uh, made their name off the defensive end. Uh, We're going to talk about Cogbender in a second, winning uh, defensive player of the year in the Big East. Um, But in a tournament setting, like the Big East tournament, the NCAA tournament, where you're playing in kind of unfamiliar settings, as far as you don't know what arena you're going to be playing in, you fly in like um, four days before the game, whatever, you try to get adjusted as quickly as possible. But teams who shoot the ball really well, that doesn't always show up in March. But what does travel all the time is that defensive pressure. So we talked about like what Trey Alexander had to learn uh, throughout the year. I'm assuming that you're more leaning uh, towards like the Jays continuing to make the name on a defensive end. We know that their name is going to be called on Selection Sunday. Again, you and I will absolutely take umbrage if their <laughs> name is not called. So <laughs> talk to me a little bit more about what you mean when uh, you're talking about like the Jays defensively and what that could mean for the present team as it's currently constructed with, like you said, a shorter seven-man rotation that they have going on right now. Yeah, I think that there's there's two big pieces. Obviously, having the ability to know you're protected behind you and chase guys off the three-point line and just the way we are able to defend ball screens. Um, we've done an awesome job of making sure the three-pointers aren't getting three-point shots and kind of forcing guards into – if you're going to beat us, it's going to be from 15 feet and you're going to have to kind of defy analytics. Uh, like if we're playing DeMar DeRozan, we're probably going to run into some problems <laughs> in ball screens because he's literally <laughs> breaking basketball right now. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, I, I thought we did a good job. I and mean, RJ Cole took like 20 shots and, you know, we're, we're forcing him to make 15, 18 footers or like tough floaters. Those aren't easy shots by any means. And, uh, you know, kudos to all the guys buying in. Uh, I don't, we can talk about closeouts because uh, to be honest, they work on them a lot. The guys are, what they're practicing every single day is translating onto the court. And we now have a top 25 Ken Palm defensive team. Uh, To your point, offensive genius, never really saw this coming. Uh, Maybe we got to start calling Mac a defensive genius. We've come a long way from having Coach Mack putting, what was it, 277 whatever on our shorts. <laughs> uh, those, I hope those don't exist. Way. I hope those don't exist for, anymore. For those of you who don't know about that story, Coach Mack, after uh, my sophomore year, right, when we made it to the NCAA tournament first, for the first time under his tenure, we were the worst defensive team in the NCAA tournament. We ranked 277th, if I'm not mistaken, or something along those lines out of like the 380 division one school. So he had that place in our practice shorts next year, just to give us a little bit of extra motivation to play uh, better defense. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's incredible to see how far, you know, his defensive structure has taken him. And it's funny because being back this summer, having a chance to uh, not only see the guys come in and work out, but jumping into workouts with them too. Coach Mike has tweaked a lot about like some of his defensive principles that, Back in the day, he wasn't doing. Obviously, he's paid attention to where the game is going and where he needs to tweak things and change things. And he's implemented all these things on the practice floor. And like you just said, it certainly translates out there on the the floor. One of the main examples for me is we no longer force baseline. Now we force middle. Middle. We funnel all of that help to 
yep. the man that we're going to speak about right oh. now, the defensive player of the year, Ryan Cockbrider. Big shout out to him. Oh my goodness. I will I will say this, Mickey Mike. When the year started, the first, let's call them a handful of games. I, I hate to say I was a little disappointed in Cogbender's play. And I feel like I'm echoing the sentiment of a lot of Jays fans because having played on Team USA the previous summer, I think there was a lot of expectations placed on his shoulders. But yep. he has more, 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 more than made up for that in these last stretch of runs, especially in the month of, Mar- in the month of February heading into March. Talk to me about Cogbender's development. Oh, and also Biggie's honorable mention. That yeah. needs to be said as well. Should be so second team or his, first. Talk to me about, oh, yeah, okay. Talk to me about his development. And again, I'm assuming you're taking umbrage to where they're placing our boys because you're a loyalist just like I am. Yeah, a little bias, a little bias. Um, here, here's what I'll say. The beginning of the year, a couple interesting things. We play teams without true bigs in a sense. Like, I'm not going to say like they were Ethan Roggies who were like picking and popping, but you didn't have the... Sonogo or like a true five who's going to sit on the block and let Kalkbrenner stay in the paint. And I think, you know, going back to the Xavier game, they did a really good job with Nunji in pick and pop, making Kalkbrenner come out and have to defend yeah. and pulling him out of the paint and getting him in cause, a out situations. Caused some serious problems for us. So we, we won't relive that. But, um, you know, I think for Ryan, it's, it's, uh, it, the confidence just builds and to me, like as a, as a fan, he seems like a very humble guy, but the chip just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think honestly, it's because of these bigs in the big East that everyone talks about gives him no love. And he just went out and dominated maybe the two best, you know, by, by like media or Twitter or, you know, like absolutely Obiagu, like guy picks up four fouls, doesn't do anything. And then Sonogo, he scores 20 in the second half, is doing whatever he wants offensively, getting rebounds. Like the development is crazy. And I, you know, again, I think there's some kudos to the staff in that. Um, I got to live through like Will Artino's development, Jeff Grozel's development, Gregory Echenique, and, you know, guys that came in fairly decent that just took huge leaps. And so, you know, kudos to the staff on that front. Kudos to Ryan, who, he shouldered a lot and he <laughs> probably not a guy that planned on playing 35, 36 minutes. Uh, but we need him. We need him on the court defensively, offensively. We need that swagger. Um, we need that chip. Just keep, keep letting it grow. And uh, as the three pointer comes, I can just picture coaches in the big East quivering, <laughs> thinking, Holy <laughs> smokes, this dude. Right. Uh, and, and they look good. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not a shooting coach. You know, I shot like 12% from three in high school, but I, I thought his looks were really good. And I would let him shoot those at, from Max perspective all the time. I asked Coach back this summer uh, about his development up to that point. And he had said that he had, he had been, you know, asking Ryan to take more shots from the outside, maybe not three-point shots off the rib, but get back there into 15, 17 feet and just kind of get your feet settled and kind of dip your toe in the waters and see if that's a part of your game that could be expanded. You see it in a year. He, he makes two threes in one game. Obviously, as Jay's fans, we're all salivating at the idea of, oh, my God, can you be this seven-foot guy who could block shots and also pick a problem cool. and add that to his game? So I'm not. I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on that part of his game. Okay, sure. all right. 
But again, it needs to be mentioned that he joins Kyrie Thomas. He joins Gregory Echenique as the only other two Creighton Blue Jays to win Defensive Player of the Year under Coach Mack's tenure. Uh, Kyrie won it twice. G won it just a one time in the Valley. Uh, I feel like this is an award if he stays for his junior and senior year, which I'm assuming that he is, and I'm praying that he does. Yeah, This is his award to lose in the years uh, coming up. What do you say about that? I would agree. I mean, I think he just continues to add weight, continues to have a little more of a mean streak to him. and uh, Mean streak, bro. He starts yelling after blocks. He starts yelling after dunks now. He gets fired up. I absolutely love it for a guy that's been – you know, that type of individual in my career, I absolutely love the emotion that comes out whenever Ryan does a big play. Yeah, feed me, all of that. I mean, I think our fans love it. Uh, I, it's it's special to watch what he's doing. And not only, like, blocking shots, but, oh, keeping them in play and letting us get runouts in transition. Some of that stuff, I don't know if people track that or not, but it's it means even more to you from an offensive standpoint that you can do that. And defensively, obviously, you know, shots that you're impacting that you maybe don't block. But, you know, as a as a guard that goes in the paint, you run into a seven footer with a seven two wingspan. It's going to alter your shot a little bit, Jay, isn't it? I mean, the thing is that as many block shots as he gets, the amount of shots that he alters or that he just flat out, flat out intimidates like guys who have open lanes to drive settle for threes because they see him down there. You know what I mean? Like. Or like if we have a bad close on a one end, they feel like you could beat the guy on the baseline or whatever. They choose just simply not to do that and to pass the ball and keep the ball moving because they understand the gravity uh, of his defensive presence, which is awesome to see as like someone who uh, made his name on the defensive end, having to chase guys around. When I had G back there, believe me, I was funneling him all into into Gregory Echenique. I can only imagine what guys like, you know, Nemhard, Trey Alexander, who are young guys who are still learning the game, their job is made so much easier knowing that, hey, look, I could play aggressive. If I do get beat, big boy yeah. back there is going to swat everything out the way anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Send it into the third row, big fella. Man, let's go. I'm obviously uh, very happy for Cogburn. Congratulations to, to him. Yeah. The hard work is obviously paying off. We're looking forward to more of that in the Big East tournament for sure and in the answer of the tournament when that time comes. Um, we have to move on to our super duper senior, uh, Ryan Hawkins, oh, the third man. of the Ryan that's going to get mentioned today. Uh, second team, all big East, uh, could have made a, a case for first team, all big East, but you know how that kind of goes, you know, you're kind of, uh, nitpicking a little bit when you get to those yeah. caliber of players and, and, you know, what they all represent for the different institutions, where would the Jays be this season? And this is an honest question, not rhetorical. <laughs> Where would the Jays be this season without Hawkins' play and leadership? Oh, oh man. Uh, I don't – this might be a stretch. I don't know if we get to 500. I mean, every piece of what he's done, helping the young guys – defensively again like he doesn't get a lot of credit defensively and i think people think like oh he's kind of a slow white dude but he's in the right spot he deflects passes he's in the helping like he does a ton and then offensively communication wise and the talking the talking thing is Mm -hmm. huge um it it's 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 been fun to watch i mean i you know as a basketball junkie like that first of all his d2 team last year with him and their point guard 
would have beat a lot of teams in the NCAA tournament. Like, go back and look at what they did through the D2 Elite Eight. They were smashing teams. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think they won those three games by like 120 points. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. But he, you know, Ryan comes in, probably, again, late transfer. Like, guy comes in, whole new team, whole new coaching staff, just kind of meeting everybody and took on the leadership role, took on the I'll be the scoring guy role, and then defensively has, has elevated his game. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, is 500 fair? Like, what, what, where do you think we'd be? So this is why I assumed at the beginning of the season that this team was going to take its lumps. I did not know how good Hawkins was. Like I said, I had a chance to practice with him a little bit this summer just to see him work out. Uh, at that point in time, again, whole new team, whole bunch of new faces coming together. Uh, leaders weren't developed yet, nor was anybody just stepping in being like, hey, I'm the man, you guys just follow my lead. This is a team that really kind of grew into their identity and who they are. So at that point in time in the summer, I was like, look, we have the most talented freshman class that Coach Max ever brought onto campus. It's yep. going to take a little bit of time. They're going to take their lumps. Yep. For sure. But if this team sticks together, I'm talking about uh, the Mason Millers, Christophilus, uh, Nemhard, Kaluma, Alexander. If that group sticks together, that sophomore year is going to be incredible. That was my mindset going into the year. After seeing Ryan Hawkins' performances early on in the season, and that BYU game is the one that I was just like, hey, this, hey ride this guy's coattail because – like yeah. he's going to bring you to some places that we have no business being in if he's not on the floor. Yeah. That's when that BYU game is the one that really cemented that for me. And after that, I was just, I just more and more became in awe and had more and more appreciation for his game because I understood where the Jays would be if it wasn't for him. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Like uh, being a 500 team, maybe. Maybe, maybe 500 overall, definitely not 500 in the Big East. There's some no big chance. teams that Ryan uh, had his imprint on. And if he's not on the floor, there's no way the Jays win that win those games. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a guy to go Division two to the Big East and then be second team all Big East, strong contentions to be first team all Big East. Hey, man, like there's, there's nothing more that we could have asked out of him um, in this lone season on the Hilltop. Yeah, pretty special. I mean, and, and I think there's the nuances of what does he do from a leadership standpoint after a loss or, you know, prime example, that St. John's huddle late. It was, there was no coaches. It was Ryan saying, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're executing. And, you know, sometimes as a player, you don't really want to listen to the coaches as much as you may say, I listen to Coach Mack and our staff all the time. Sometimes you just need a guy that's willing to step up be a leader, help guide and direct. Like I've been in this situation before. Here's how we need to handle this. And I think he's been that and, and more. And uh, it's been, it's fun to watch. I, I have to say, it's not necessarily about like not wanting to listen to the staff. It's just that you listen to them so much. Sometimes yeah. it's better to hear it from, uh, you know what I mean? Like from a different voice, that guy from my group was Grant Gibbs, Grant like Gibbs. for sure. He was a guy that was manning the huddles on the floor he brought guys together after every free throw every dead ball situation that he could you know what i mean so sometimes hearing it from grant even though he's saying the exact same thing the exact same words that coach mack is saying because we're so 
used to hearing Coach Mack, sometimes you actually hear the message from another guy that's on the floor in the trenches with you. So I think that's certainly the type of leadership that Hawkins provided this year. And like I said, I've been thoroughly impressed with not only his game, but his character as a person. Yeah. Having a chance to like read up a little bit more about him, hearing him in post game uh, interviews and just how much he's meant to the team, how much the guys have really rallied behind him. Uh, yeah. he, he's a special human being, a special player. And he's one of those days that, you know, he's there for a short time. Uh, but I think his presence is certainly going to be felt as far as the culture of the program is, is um, you know, uh, as far as all that is connected together. His, his, uh, the way that he's going to impact the culture is certainly going to be worth a lot more than what he's done onto the floor. You know what he'd be a good fit for? Oh, TBT, baby. I already know. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, Hawk. What you doing this summer? Hey, look, I'm about to send text messages around the team and see if I can get Hawkins' number because let's go. Let's get him on this TBT squad. I'm sure the Jays fans will love that. He'll be going right next to where you practice at, at DJ Sokol. So we can get it done for sure. Love it. Hey, Mickey Mike, I need to ask you this question, though, and this has been floating around the internet for a little bit now, especially around Blue Jay Nation. Is this Coach Mack's best coaching job and before i hear your answer i'm gonna go with the facts preseason number eight in the big east is what they were pulled as yep he loses his entire starting five plus six band from transfer or nba aspirations or just eligibility being up yep you have a guy in Christian Bishop, obviously, who meant a lot to the Jays last year, who transfers out, goes to Texas. He replaces him with his backup center, who was only playing 11 and a half minutes a game last year, and Ryan Cockbrenner, who's now the defensive player of the year, honorable mention, all Big East. He brings in a Division II transfer, and Ryan Hawkins, who becomes second team, all Big East. He has his best recruiting class and has three of the I think it's a six-man recruiting class, if I'm not mistaken, five-man recruiting class. Three of them are in the Big East all-freshman team. Mm-hmm. The entire year, he's battling for that third spot in the Big East. They end up coming in fourth, uh, having to play market in the Big East tournament this upcoming, I mean, in a couple of days as of this recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you want to talk I, about I injuries? I don't know what else to say. Oh, I, look, there it is. Injuries. Played injury season all year long. His player that had the most experience playing under him, Sharif Mitchell, plays four games and he's been clearly hobbled the whole time until he finally decided, which I think was the best decision for himself and for the team, to shut it down for this year. Make sure he gets back to 100% before getting back onto the court. We talk about R2 going down late into the season, having to deal with Kaluma's knee injury that kept him out for a couple of games. Uh, Am I missing something else? Alex O'Connell's ankle and he had Ryan, to, he, Ryan Hawkins has played hobbled all season long. So Coach Mack has had to navigate through all of these things. And of course, it's a COVID year. So he had to do it from the seat of his couch, even. <laughs> what Coach Mack is not dead to deserve. Uh, obviously, he's going to get considerations for Coach of the Year, but you are a homer just like I am. Yeah. We want Coach Mack to win this award. Tell me your best, uh, your best case to give Coach Mack this biggest Coach of the Year award. I think you just outlined every single bullet point. <laughs> um, 
everything. I mean, the minutes lost, the injuries, new guys coming in, new guys with zero hype coming in, a freshman who, oh, by the way, it's not an easy adjustment to just play Division One college basketball and do it in the Big East. Um, oh, I know. Let's remember, I was prepared to be a backup point guard, and I moved to that two spot real quick. It is not easy, not especially easy. in a Coach Mac offense to run. Like, and we're gonna get back into it, but you mentioned it earlier. But like, R two, how good he looked, and then having to push Trey to run that same system late in the year. That is not an easy transition, and Coach Mac has done about as good of a job as anybody could have in that situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we forgot about Roddy's shoulder too. Like, they're, they're, I mean, you could take any one of our starting five. There's been an injury, games missed, Kalkbrenner's ankle. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I credit to Ed Cooley who probably ends up winning it, and I know he's a, a good friend of Coach Max and yeah, well, big well time respected. Fan of Coach Cooley. I've been a big time friend of Coach Cooley from the start. Honestly, like I became a friend of Cooley because Coach Mac explained how good of a friendship that was when I was yeah. uh that was my senior year when we were going up against him I had a chance to talk to him before that Providence game and Coach Mack was just raving about him so that turned me into a fan of Coach Cooley and I'm all I've always been on the side of like whoever wins you know the conference regular season automatically should have like be at the top of the list and then you have to make a, a case against them so yeah. if Coach Cooley wins it I, I certainly understand why but I don't know, man. Coach Mack is giving him a run for his money. Yeah. Again, we're we're a little biased, but uh, oh, everything, homers, homers for sure. Every, everything points to like incredible <laughs> season, incredible growth. You know, and kudos to the staff too. Huss steps up as Coach Mack's yeah. coaching from his couch. Um, you know, Coach Miller, Coach Williams, like brand new to the program. We didn't even talk about that. You got brand new faces in the coaching room. Mm-hmm. Like that's not an easy adjustment either. You have new principles, new drills. These guys bring in differing opinions. Um, it's just like, I don't know. It's cheesy. My heart is full, man. It, it's been fun from start to finish. I think there's been some bumps. We talked a lot about patience on the last podcast and uh, trusting the process. Mac has said that all season long, and we're seeing the formation of process. And we're a four seed in the Big East tournament come Thursday. I mean, just round of applause to everyone inside of the Blue Jay program. And it's not only that, it's when you see like the assistants who have left, who have who are having much success. We mentioned D-Rock and Tucker DeVries over at Drake. And Coach Lutz over there at Coach Lutz. Christie, he's looking mighty fine winning a 20, having a 20 win uh, season in the first time in a long time for that program. So that also is some of the impact that Coach Mack has. It's yeah. not only what he can do for his program, but it's the way that he teaches his, his assistants who are alongside him and how they're able to not only move on to the next level, but have what they learned on campus translate to whatever their next job is and be successful there as well. I'm not saying obviously it's all Coach Mack's doing. Obviously, D-Rock and lots of much-deserving candidates who, who should have been had, you know, head coaching spots in my honest opinion. Yeah. Um, but they're able to learn what they need to from coach Mack and, and be successful in their own right too. So that, in my opinion, also goes into consideration when you're look, consideration when you're looking at uh, who should be coach of the year in, in whatever conference that they're uh, a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Turnover is hard. And 
you know, it's fun as we will continue to follow this tree of Eric Henderson at South Dakota State. He's got some Coach Mack connections. Dave Richmond at NDSU. Uh, Coach Jacobson at UNI. Another, you know, I think Missouri Valley regular season champs. D-Rock, Lutz. Lusk is having success at, at um, Purdue with uh, a, a pretty talented roster. Um, yeah. So it's it's fun to, and then even guys that were managers. I mean, Kevin Jewell is now down at Corpus Christi with Jewel, Coach Lutz. So <laughs> you know, got to got to shout out the managers, the managers, uh, guys yeah, that are carry, carrying forward the being actual basketball coaches, not just lazy business people like myself. I'm not a lazy business person, but so you're so lazy, Mike Jeez. <laughs> Come on, Mickey. Mike, give yourself a little bit more credit. Now. I, I, I'll, I should. I'll, I'll tell the public what you've been up to if you want me to, bro. This guy that I'm talking to today, when I was back in Omaha last week, what is it? Uh, employee of the quarter? Employee of the quarter. Stop yeah. it. Enough. Enough is enough. Don't call yourself a lazy businessman. You know what you're doing out here in these streets. I, I'm lucky, <laughs> lucky to be surrounded by a lot of really talented people who uh, help me raise my game. That's, that's how I put it. All I know is that you know, I if Coach Mack doesn't end up winning it, he's got to be second. Like, I need to see the votes, and I need to see that he came in second if Coach Cooley ends up winning it, which deservingly so. Like, if Coach Cooley wins it, for sure he deserves it. Yeah. But if Coach Mack doesn't win it, I need to know that he came in second at the very, very least. I want to go back to uh, the freshmen who were on the Hilltop this year, uh, starting with R2, uh, yeah. obviously, who went down with a wrist injury. But again, we talked about how crucial it is for a Coach Mack offense to be the point guard in that offense, to make all the right decisions all the time, to be going 120 miles an hour every single time that you catch the ball, bringing it from one end of the court to the other, not only looking for yourself, but to set other guys up and to yeah. be the top of the defensive pressure as well. Coach Mack is one of the guys that puts a lot of pressure on his point guards to play well. And uh, we've, obviously, we've obviously seen over the years the success that that brings from Antoine Young to Chat to WAP to uh, Zagorowski, you know, and now to R2. Uh, obviously, it's tragic how his season ended, but talk to me about obviously the bright future that R2 has manning the program and especially manning Coach Mack's offense. Yeah. I mean, not only did he take over a starting role and uh, do an outstanding job, but I think as we started to figure out ways to manage his minutes, we could see truly how good his potential is. It's hard to play point guard for 40 minutes. Like to your point about he the was speed, then asked to play 38 minutes from the second he stepped onto the court. It's, it's really hard. And, and some of the turnovers come from that. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not only getting pressured at 40 feet. Um, I was really happy to see Kalkbrenner start setting some back screens at half court. Finally, I never like to see guys get hurt, but it's like get cracked get, like that. Yeah. yeah, help give them some space. But uh, I, I mean, incredible development. As I think this off season, you know, R two is going to learn to if they're going to go under ball screens, he's going to start making threes, and you're toast. Like we are going to absolutely destroy you in ball screens because you're going to have to pick your poison. Do you want to? I mean, we'll throw a lob to Kalkbrenner, or R two is going to make threes on you all the time. So mm-hmm. incredibly hard to come in, run the show, play that many minutes. Um, 
but I think overall assist to turnover has been really good. We've seen the growth we've seen them and, and even start like finishing some of that stuff at the rim as you're getting hit by, you know, six ten big East wings or big. So I, it's been fun for me to watch. And, uh, you know, coach Mack over the summer was really raving about him just as, as he, as he was committed. And we we're trying from Jay's 24 seven, trying to build the, understanding like this kid is really talented if you watch his montverd games he's he's a special dude and uh i'm glad he's a great blue jay uh he's a fellow canadian he's the second canadian ever in the crane program after myself so you know me i'm already a crane homer i'm definitely going to be a homer for my canadians <laughs> who are going to be on campus so like aren't you for me as far as i'm concerned best canadian freshman season ever <laughs> Uh, hey. <laughs> Which is, hey, I'll be honest, it wasn't the highest bar to, to reach, but I do appreciate my fellow Canadian coming into Omaha, really, you know, implanting himself into the team and and running the show the way that he did is something that we all as Jays fans should look forward to. Speed recovery, R2. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to see you back onto the floor. Moving yeah. on to his fellow freshman, Arthur Kaluma, who's someone that I had absolute high hopes for coming into this season. He is Coach Max. Uh, highest ever uh, recruit as far as all the like ESPN and, and rivals and like websites of that nature is concerned. Uh, a guy that came out with so much promise, took a little bit of a while to find his way, but a little bit like Cockbrenner near the end of the season, he's really shown his value uh, as recently as this week. He's been the Big East freshman of freshman. the week. Yeah. Uh, he played on a Uganda national team this past summer. Uh, he's a guy who's got a big body, good frame. He's strong. Uh, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but that's not because his mechanics are off or anything like that. I think he just needs to uh, get back into the gym, make sure that those shots start falling in the summertime. But talk mm -hmm. to me a little bit more about Kaluma from beginning to end this this year uh, and, and what you've seen from him. Yeah, I think the game has slowed down. And I hear me out on this. This might be unfair. He has a Paul Pierce feel to him. What are your thoughts? On that? <laughs> oh, uh, it's a little unfair to Paul Pierce. Who's <laughs> a Hall of Famer. No, I know, I know. But as far as like the slow, deliberate shot fake, getting to his spots on the floor, like his specific spots on the floor, pulling up, backing guys down, being strong enough to like take smaller guys onto the block being quick enough to take bigger guys outside of the paint uh paul pierce if you remember him at kansas he could get kind of off the floor too so like the putback dunks and the seismic dunks that kaluma is doing now paul pierce was doing it back then when he was at kansas so i do agree with you obviously when we're comparing a freshman to a holiday yeah that's yeah what i gotta okay so that, that's, that's all that i'm saying about that yeah fair yeah no i think like the speed like that's the the big thing i keep coming back to is how he plays the game, ball fakes, pump fakes. And oh, by the way, as the three pointers start to fall, look out. Like then you you're jumping Careful. at his at his ball fakes and he's gonna two step, two dribble, dunk on somebody. Um I think, you know, for art, it's we've seen the progression. I tweeted about it in the middle of the season, which was when he figures out college basketball, everyone's in trouble. Then he got hurt kind of you know, two weeks away, even the first couple of games back, you could see you're, you're still trying to trust the knee a little bit. Some of the athleticism wasn't there. And then 
last two games, the putback dunks, the little, you the know. Fa- the fast break hey. slingshot dunk that he just threw in there. Whew. Yeah, it's a uh, – he's just kind of a different dude. Like, we've never had that in a sense of six eight, athletic, you know, and that's not like a discredit to anyone that's come before him. He's just – he's different in that sense of – there's a reason he's a top 20 prospect. There's a reason he has like NBA ceiling uh, and we're seeing the steps continue to happen. And we're seeing the game come to his P his speed, his pace. And we're seeing some of the, again, some of the swagger, like Kalkbrenner's got it. Hart's got it. Like let these guys talk a little shit. Because they've Absolutely. they've they've earned it. They've earned the right, man. So and what what I love the most about like Kaluma, obviously, is the ceiling is so high for this kid. Uh, I feel like we still haven't even been close to seeing his full potential as he's still learning the college basketball game. Uh, like you just mentioned, I always thought that like him and Hawkins together on the court at the same time is a little bit of an awkward fit. Uh, looking forward to the Jays' future. Obviously, Hawkins. Sadly, is no longer going to be there after this year. Uh, I think Kaluma is going to get a lot more chances as a stretch four guy, which I believe in this college basketball era that we're in right now is yep. his more natural position as opposed to playing the three like he's doing right now because of, you know, you, you can't keep Hawkins off the floor in a sense. Uh, so I believe that like once all of that is settled in, we're only good, the sky is going to be the absolute uh, limit uh, for Kaluma. Uh, but yeah, no, he he's shown me a lot in the last few games, and you know I can't wait to see uh, what he has more in store. And he seems to be to me to be the kind of guy that the bigger the game is, the more yeah. he's going to show out. So like I wouldn't be surprised if he has himself a hell of a Big East tournament going into the NCAA tournament. Like that wouldn't be a shock to me. Uh, I think when you're that immensely talented, especially in the games early on in the season when you're not playing those high caliber uh you know the teams and schools uh you kind of tend to relax a little bit which is unfortunately what happened to him early on in the season but you saw the more the competition ramped up at the end of the year the more he was ready for it and the more that his number was called the more he delivered so yeah we're gonna need that a whole lot yeah and we are absolutely gonna need that so he's got a whole lot of potential and man I, i just think he's slightly beginning to just scratch that potential just just a little bit uh the last of the freshmen that I definitely want to talk about, Trey Alexander. We've seen his progression all year. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, coming from the wing to being a, a, a point guard, essentially, for the Jays after R2's injury. He was already handling the ball quite a bit for Coach Max's offense. Now he is the primary ball handler, and he's now in charge of making sure that everybody's in the right spots, uh, feeding everyone, scoring himself. I love the kid's poise and patience. He's one of those rare freshmen who can actually come to a two-foot jump stop one get, once getting into the paint. Lord knows that took me four years to figure out. He's got it figured out already. Talk to me about Charles Alexander and his growth as the season progressed. Yeah, I think pivotal point for Trey, and I can't remember the game, but we ran a late set, like a, a dribble handoff for him, and he went up without ball fake. It was at home. I should I should remember this. But anyway – you know, post game, they asked Mac about it. And he said, look, we, we trust him a hundred percent in that position to be the guy to make that shot. And and what we'll teach him is in the future, you, you stop, jump, stop, 
you ball fake, get the defender in the air, let him fly by, and you go up and lay it in. And it's been a it's been a pivotal shift for Trey, who's now become like Mr. Villanova in when he gets in the paint and is able to kind of slow things down. And either he's going to make a play, you know, with a floater, with a layup, or you know, throwing a lob. So, it, man, I mean, defensively, like way under the radar all season. I think him and Alex O'Connell chasing around dudes and, and really taking some of the team's best players out of games. We saw it early with Iowa State, you know, with Gabe Kalsher and uh, Isaiah Brockington and all the way up until now, last week with UConn, basically taking all their wings out of it and saying, okay, RJ Cole, if you guys are yep. going to beat us, you're going to have to be the guy. <laughs> so, um, you know, for Trey, super talented dude, I'm really glad Auburn – I'm not glad Auburn did that to him in a sense, like that's to really unfair to 18 and 17-year-old kids, but I'm glad that he's now a Creighton Blue Jay. And I don't know how – we're going to keep talking about ceilings being extremely high. There's another one, like an off-season of, of shooting threes and an off-season of learning to kind of play two-man games. Like, man, I don't want to look forward to next year at all because – Right now, we're just like, we're, we're still in the present right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a special team, and I, I love Ryan Hawkins and Alex O'Connell, and even Keyshawn. Like, shout out to him coming in. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the role he expected. Well, he ended up playing behind Defensive Player of the Year in the Big East, and and a guy that should have been first or second team. Uh, and I'll go to my grave saying that. So mm-hmm. we could talk about Keyshawn Pascal a little bit too, because I mean it doesn't uh, fall on deaf ears that coach Max seniors this year have all been incoming recruit or sorry, uh, transfers, transfers that came into the program who have had to adjust obviously to a new school, a new situation, new teammates uh, taken out of their place of comfort and coming to Omaha, good old Omaha, Nebraska, the Yukon Twitter page or have you think that we're just living in a whole bunch of <laughs> like what the hell is that? Oh. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like when I saw that, I was like, damn, like that's disrespect if I ever saw it. But uh anyhow, like the transfers who are coming in are put in such precarious situations because you never know how that's really gonna go. As good as they were in their previous situations, or like how good as their potential could have been, uh, this is a whole new situation, and I feel like uh, it doesn't get mentioned enough the job that O'Connell, the job that uh, Hawkins, who we rave about earlier on, and, and someone like Keyshawn Fizel, who's had to accept his role on the team, you know, like coming behind Cockburner. I'm sure he wanted to compete for that starting spot and go out with a bang and all that stuff, but understanding he's a part of a team, he's a part of a culture, uh, yeah. and, and doing his role to his best of his ability. Those guys, like, are the unsung heroes of the program. It also goes to show, like, the culture that Coach Mack has built because those guys not only accept what their role is, but they play hard. They play hard, hard for Coach Mack. They play hard for each other. So, you know, a guy like Keyshawn is like, trust me, bro. Like, if you're listening to this, your hard work does not go unnoticed. Uh, Jays fans everywhere from Poland to New York appreciate it. Um, and we're certainly going to keep writing for you because, you know, we all want we want all of our Jays to get their flowers while they're, while they're here and performing for us. Keyshawn Fizal, you certainly are one of those guys. You certainly should deserve, or you certainly deserve to get all those flowers, and we're giving them to you right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you want to play TBT, we got a spot for you. 
Let's go. Yo, I like the plugin though. We had a whole, not a whole, but a, a big chunk of our episode last week talking to Josh Jones about TBT and how it's going to look this year. So keep plugging it in, Mickey Mike. We want the fans involved. We want to make sure that those tickets are bought. We want yeah. to make sure that the available Jays, oh, DJ, <coughs> <coughs> DJ, come on, play with us. <laughs> Let's go. All the dudes who are available, come back and play, man. Let's let's have ourselves a time. Let's try to win a million dollars and let's let's share it all amongst ourselves. Why not? That'd be kind of fun. That'd be a little bit fun. So we got to do a little bit of Big East tournament preview. We play Marquette on Thursday. Uh, you are going to be at that game. It is your birthday. Uh, you're hoping that the Jays can deliver and give you a birthday gift, which would be a win at Madison Square Garden against Marquette. This is a team that we've won two games against this year albeit two pretty close games Oof. uh the alex o'connell three at the end of the first overtime if i'm not mistaken to tie it to win in second overtime uh, and then we win by one at home later on in the year marquette's a tough team for the jays to play and you know it's extremely difficult to win or to beat a team three times three in one times. season yeah Let's talk about what the Jays need to get done. This is our first time playing Marco for R2 as well. So a little bit of a slightly different lineup for us. Seven deep uh, is as far as we go. Talk to me about what we need to do to, to beat Marquette in a neutral site at Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to win a grinder of a basketball game. Um, first things first, like get these guys into the moment and the lights are, are bright. I don't, I've never played at Madison square garden. You can probably talk to that a little bit, but the whole experience, the elevator ride, the announcers, the full arena, like how do you mentally get some of our young guys ready? And even, you know, like uh, Hawkins has played some pretty big games, but this is, this is the biggest stage, right? Like, mm -hmm. So that the, the opportunity there from a you know coaching perspective and the mental preparation, big piece, and then you know back to the grinder thing. Like, let's let's win a game sixty to fifty five. Um, it'll be maybe, interesting. Maybe less than that. Yeah, maybe honestly, like fifty five to fifty. Like, I'll be honest. It'll be interesting what Marquette does defensively. I think with Trey, you know, we've seen kind of two games, pick them up full court, try to get them to turn it over a little bit. And I, I think Trey's done a really good job of, you know, getting us into our actions and, and out of timeouts, we've been remarkable. You know, we've seen Mac put some, this is like very internal, some twists on twist crack back. We're slipping. He's got the two man game with Hawkins and Kalkbrenner working. Um, so, you know, offensively get into our actions Let's keep the turnovers limited. Um, we have less reliance on the three ball, so I can't even bring that up. Like, mm -hmm. this is a time, March is about, you know, shots in the paint Gr and grit. grinding and grit. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it'll be interesting. Um, I, but with our guys, I like our chances with anybody, frankly. I mean, I think the way we defend, like you said earlier, defense travels and um, come Thursday at two 30 Eastern time, one 30 central, like we're gonna have to defend for 40 minutes, uh, try to limit some runs. I think that's, that's a big piece for us is keep teams out of those 14, 16, 18, 0 runs and uh, just see what happens. I'm, 
I've never been to the Big East tournament, so this will be a whole experience for me. It's so crazy, like you mentioned about like the elevator rides and like making sure that guys are in the moment, understanding what they're up against. Uh, the one Big East tournament experience that I have was my senior year. So up to that point, like because we were such a well-oiled machine, I kind of I'm ashamed to say that I don't really remember making too big of a deal out of all of it you know what i mean like i look back at these moments like fondly like yeah. damn like i was in a big east tournament my senior year like i never thought it was going to happen being a obvious valley uh recruited kid um but i just remember being like oh we have a job to do and that yeah. like kind of you know like uh blanketed my my vision of like oh this is madison square this is the big greatest arena ever like you know what i mean like uh, and also we had a chance to play against St. John's there earlier on that year. So that yeah. kind of took that initial hit of, uh, hit of everything. But like for, for those kids to be walking to MSG, I, I, I can certainly see why like the bright lights, which are even brighter down in New York, uh, can have an, a, a negative effect on them as far as like their preparation and their focus is concerned. But it'll be up to the coaching staff to really put these guys in place and to really have them understand Hey, this is what we came here for. Like, like, let's go back to the Hoosiers movie when they pull out the tape. Like, hey, the free throw is still at 15 feet. You know what I mean? Like, the court yeah. is still like yeah. 84 by whatever. And like, we just have to go out there and, and hoop. So, yeah. I hope that the coaching staff is able to do that for these young guys because it is their first experience and it could be pretty daunting. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a different, it's, a, it's an elevated stage for sure. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, there's probably some benefit. I think Arthur played in some pretty big AEU games, you know, Trey state champion, but again, he won that during a COVID year. So I don't know how many people were in the stands. Hawkins mm -hmm. has played in some D2 championships. Uh, Kalkbrenner, I don't know how many fans were in the seats for the U19 stuff. So it's, it's a whole new, whole new game and, uh, everything resets, right? Everyone's zero and zero and you got 40 minutes of hoops. And it's winner go home. Hope I mean, either way, I expect to hear Crane's name on Sunday. So, um, you know, I, what a what a fun opportunity. And I keep saying it, but it's what a national brand Creighton basketball has become. Yeah. And one of the biggest examples that I have of that is I was wearing my Creighton beanie, actually, uh, on my flight back to Poland last week. And like someone in the Chicago airport, like, immediately recognized like i was like damn and he was on my flight going to poland too so i was just like okay like we're Jeez. here we're like we've made it a half polish half american guy like immediately recognized hey you went to korean like why what's with the hat i uh, had a nice little chat with him on the flight so awesome. um yeah no we've become a national brand for sure uh i want everybody to go back uh when the jays lost to gonzaga last year in the 316 uh i said that Cockbrenner was exposed in a sense and that that is the best thing that's ever happened to him up to that point in his career because he now understood how hard the guys like uh timmy from gonzaga who is just absolutely putting work Oof. on him uh how hard they have to work and, and what it looks like to be a guy up to that level fast forward a year and he's biggie's honorable mention and biggie's defensive player of the year hey look listen i was right that I, I like to give myself my flowers too i was right when i said that all the way back in <laughs> Hell yeah, I myself on the back. We got to take those wins. We got to take those wins as, uh, you know. Yeah, absolutely.
before I let you go, uh, we talked about the Big East tournament. We talked about the Jays season at this point um, a, a little bit. I need to know, are the Jays winning the Big East tournament? An answer other than yes is unacceptable on this podcast of Michael Vandervoort. Are the Jays winning the Big East tournament? Yeah, I don't see why not. Let's just go reel off three in a row. Um, so, who? So okay, Marquette, Providence, and then probably Villanova, I think is a fair – fair road to the finals um defense travels and if we can yeah man three games in three days with seven guys it's, is tough. Be- hey, it's tough this is not for the weary this is not no. for the but they're young. you know what i mean like it, it, it'll get it could it could definitely get done at being a guy that's won a tournament championship or two like i could see there i could definitely see it getting done it's going to be a tough road, though. Whoever wins this Big East tournament, it's a daunting, daunting road. But once you get to that mountaintop, I can only imagine what that feeling is. Uh, we almost got there my senior year. Ah, that damn Providence team, man. That damn Bryce Cotton. Bryce Cotton. I still have every once in a while, he'll, he'll pop up in the ether of my memory. But it's going to be a tough road but again we are a pro jays podcast we are pro a jays. very biased biased crew here at the field of 68 welcome to the j podcast so i will say yeah no chance that we don't win the biggest time. it's fine <laughs> uh let's take it one game at a time uh yeah I'm guessing we're probably dogs to marquette i don't know i haven't seen the line yet but you think so uh I've... i mean it would depend to we have to see like what they're looking at I would say that we. I would say it's a pick them. Pick them, if anything. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. It's probably yeah. close to a pick them, and then. Uh, well, I mean, we're just, five four we're, five four matchup in a Big East tournament. That's about yeah. as thick as it gets. Providence, we were just five point dogs on the road there, mm-hmm. so you neutral site probably a two or three, so two and a half. Um, and I saw so shout out shot quality Simon, who's doing awesome stuff his result of our Providence game was we lost by six. So some of those bunnies we missed and some of the bull crap that they made um, mm-hmm. kind of neutralizes itself over the course of a season. So um, yeah, I, I let's, let's worry about Marquette who's become a bit of a rival. Um, and then let's have some fun. Uh, what a, what a, this best time of the year. I love basketball. I love sometimes wagering on basketball nothing nothing better at least you're not a current basketball player wagering on in the sport that he plays in shout out to ridley yikes tough tough situations going on over there mickey mike i want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day out of your busy busy schedule to chop it up with me to step back into the jay with me one more time uh, I want to make sure that everybody who is listening up to this point, make sure you go back and you like and you subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network. I appreciate all your support. Mickey Mike, uh, where can the people find you? I know you're doing a Jays 24-7. You're also ahead of the uh, our, our manager for our Omaha Blue Crew TBT team. Yep. Uh, there's so many things that you kind of have like your fingerprints on. Talk to the fans about, you know, where they could reach out to you, where they could follow you um, to keep the good information that you're putting out there uh, coming to their social media feeds. Yeah. So on Twitter uh, at Michael Vandy, um, I run help run Jays 24 seven.com. And then we have the Omaha blue crew 
um, as a part of the, the the basketball tournament. So same same Twitter feed there. Would love your support, whether it's financial tickets uh, or just you know good vibes or tweets at guys that we would love to be a part of the team. Uh, we, we're we're lucky to be hosting this year. We're lucky to have Jahens as a player. Josh Jones is leading the way from a coaching perspective, and uh, we got lofty goals. I think our alumni base is very capable of taking home a million dollars if we can get the right team together. So uh, find me on Twitter, find me on jays247.com uh, or, you know, just find me somewhere on the interwebs. Perfect, dude. I appreciate you so much. Love you, brother. Happy early birthday from the Thanks, welcome Jay. to the J staff. We appreciate you for coming by. This has been your host, Jahans Manica. Uh, my special guest, Michael Vandervoort, manager Mike, Nikki, Mike, all of the above. Thank you again, brother. Uh, again, make sure to like and subscribe. And as always, stay safe and go Jays. Go Jays. Thanks, Jay. We'll see you soon.